Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'll be showing you how average, everyday people have chosen to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope this podcast will allow you to feel a connection with people who have something in common with you and make you realize you can have the life you want. Welcome, podcast listeners. Today, my guest is Jorgen Andreasen, originally from Norway, but now living in Las Vegas in the U.S. Welcome, Jorgen. I am so thrilled that you agreed to be on the show today. Hello, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we recently connected via Instagram for kind of our shared interest in personal growth and fitness. And first, I have to say that your page has like some really cool pictures because they're very like barbaric and primitive and very natural. Um, Mm. And yet underneath a lot of what you're writing is really beautifully written and talking about mindset and fitness. And so of course, I wanted to have you on to talk about this. And my first question is, was fitness and wellness always a part of your life? Was that something that you were always interested in or excited about like when you were a young child? Absolutely not. Uh, Up until I was about 18 years old, I was... um just sitting in front of the computer. Uh, But what happened was that I was in a pretty serious motorcycle accident. Um, And up until that point, I didn't really see the relation between uh, what I ate and how I felt. But because my body went through uh, that trauma and stress, uh, I had to take better care of my body because I felt terrible. And... um, and after getting pushed by dietitians and family members, I finally gave in and I, I started doing small changes to my diet and I immediately, immediately saw the results and, and it kind of snowballed from there um, pretty much. So let's, yeah, I was going to say, that's the, the short version. So we'll yeah. go back. So you got in a motorcycle accident. Now talk about that, that day. What happened? Um, you know, how old were you and kind of what happened, you know, those next few days after? Right. So I was, uh, I was 18 years old. Um, I was, it was during the summer. I was driving in shorts and t-shirt, very stupid. And uh, I was driving a little bit too fast and on, a, on like a country road. And um, I got into um, to, um, a small, uh, you could say like a curb. And there was a car coming in the opposite direction towards me in that curb. And he was in my lane pretty much. So uh, I was driving too fast. He was driving too fast. He didn't see me. I didn't see him. So it was pretty much like a straight on collision. Uh, I hit the windshield with my back, bounced off, and I, I landed on the metal railing mm. uh, next to the road. Pretty much broke everything from my back and down to my ankles. <laughs> mm. And yeah. do you, like, in that moment, do you, re- like, were you conscious of anything happening at that moment? Uh, yeah, up until, I went into shock pretty quickly because I, I couldn't move anything, right? So I, I remember landing and I remember not being able to feel my legs. Mm. And after that, I just blacked out pretty much. And I, I don't really remember much until maybe a week after it was like a lot of heavy drugs, you know, um, Mm -hmm. medication and stuff like that being in the hospital. And so after a week, when you've kind of become a little more aware of what's going on, what does the Mm -hmm. doctor kind of tell you about what's going on with your body? 
so I like uh, all of my injuries except from the back injury had like a major impact. So I, I severed my spine in three different places, but not completely. Um, so at the time I was paralyzed. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much it. For the, <laughs> you, for the you next, say it, you say next it like year. it's a, yeah, like you're like, oh, I was paralyzed, it was fine. But like, hold on a second. <laughs> so right. paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah. And the doctor tells you this. I mean, what is your first reaction? Like what are you thinking and feeling at that moment? Honestly, like because of the heavy medication and stuff like that, you get when in a situation like that, you're not really able to process it. It's it's just too much. It's um like it didn't really dawn on me until almost six months later when I tried to, when I went home for the first time, you know? Uh, but at that point I'd, I'd been able to, um, to train myself up to be able to use crutches, uh, which I still use today. Uh, and I regained all of my sensation and stuff like that. Uh, but I still have some muscle weakness in my legs. So when you're there and you realize, okay, uh, I could potentially par- be paralyzed and not be able to walk, were you initially like, well, forget them. I'm going to be able to do this and had kind of that positive mindset or were you scared? I mean, you seem so calm about it, obviously now, you know, <laughs> nine years later, but how are you, how did you kind of get past that initially? It's a process. There's like, you go through these different stages of um, uh, like anger sadness and acceptance you know and and at the time i wouldn't say i was very positive at the time but i've been able to build that positive mindset because of that uh, incident later on if that makes sense um so i i think it's like it's it's hard to be grateful in a situation like that when it happens mm-hmm. but in hindsight you can become very grateful and and appreciate Uh, what happened so if somebody is in a similar situation an accident or something that terrible has happened to them and they're like you know whether they were active or not but they're getting back into just the basics of walking standing up and things like that Mm -hmm. what did you do or what would you suggest to somebody to be able to just get them through the day and say you can do this like what are some of those beginning steps that you would suggest I think it's exactly that, just like small steps. Like you have to, um, you have you have to start all over again. And it's just like stop focusing on too much at at the time. Just like focus on small things. Um, just in the beginning, it's just like getting through the day. Um, but then it's like all the things you have to, all the daily challenges, and just like taking it one t- one step at a time, basically. And so how long would you say it was before you could, I know you said you're still using crutches now today, but that mm. you're able to somewhat walk or do things on your own. How long did that take? So to get back to like a normal life, it probably took me, I wouldn't say normal, but to get some of my life back, it was like a year. Mm. Um, so after two years, I moved to Spain to study to become a dietitian. So after two years, my life was pretty much back on track, I would say. And I read too uh, a little bit more about you where you talked about you were also on a year of antibiotics and had a lot of like autoimmune disease. Was this happening at the same time or was this later on? No. So like all the antibiotics and stuff like that, that's all a result of 
uh, like complications with the with the uh, with the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is over like years. Um, I didn't really start to have problems until three years ago, um, and that's when my mindset shifted a little bit from like the standard uh, look at what we view as healthy to more like an evolutionary point of view of what is healthy, right? Taking care of our microbiome and other aspects of our health. And let's talk about that because I, um, you know, one of the things that I really like that you said on one of your posts was you said that in order for us to stop being sick, we have to start living in alignment with our genes. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about what that means? Right. So we evolved uh, as a species over a couple of million years, right? And our genes today are pretty much the same as they were um, for most of, like, most of history, right? Mm-hmm. And agriculture and farming and all these things are just a small portion of that. It's like just last 10,000 years. And we haven't really been able to adapt to that lifestyle yet. And especially not like the last hundred years where things just got really out of control with stress, sleep, artificial light, and all of these things. Um, So yeah, I like my opinion. And um, my opinion is that like most of the health issues we see today is because we are not really living in alignment with our natural environment. And so how do we do that then? How do we change where we're at now and go into more alignment with who we should be? Yeah. Okay. So there, there are many aspects of health, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I don't think you can become healthy by just focusing on one thing. So as a dietitian, that was really hard for me to swallow uh, because I thought you could fix everything with your diet, but uh, being able to like, I'm not saying that we should live out in in nature and just like separate ourselves ourselves from from um, the society, but like taking care of our sleep. Be we get eight hours of sleep each day. That we limit the artificial light we're exposing ourselves to at least at least at night. And um, also, like you can't get away from stress today, but you can use stress management tools to make the hormonal uh, issues a bit more manageable. Like right now when we're stressed all the time, we're constantly having this adrenaline spike, this cortisol spike, and we're constantly in this fight or flight mode. And that's going to have major implications on our health, like long-term. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we all struggle with that. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, one of the things uh, that I notice, not just for myself, but for others is I think so many people talk about, you know, mental health and, and physical health as well. Um, and physical health being, oh, just exercise in some capacity and, you know, eat the right foods or go on this type of diet. But mm. I find that the most challenging thing for me and some others I've talked to is actually the act of cooking, <laughs> like getting into like, okay, I don't really like cooking, you know, and making the effort and doing all of that, um, that I don't personally think it's so much what type of diet. It's sometimes, again, a mindset to get around like, okay, this has to be a part of your day. 
Like, mm. do you agree with that? Or what are kind of your thoughts uh, on that? And what have you come across with your clients? For me personally, like I enjoy cooking. It's kind of like a meditative uh, process for me. But I know a lot, a lot of people don't. And for most people, it's just like the solution to this and, and, and still being able to eat healthy and, uh, and not cook that often. It's just doing meal prep because the problem is often that we are too lazy to make the right choices, right? So we come home at the end of the day, we're tired and the easiest option is like a frozen pizza or something like that. And in a situation like that, we're always going to choose like the, the easiest option. But if we have cooked already, like if we have something in the fridge that is healthy, already cooked, uh, that'll make it easier to make that healthy decision. And what type of, I read on your Instagram that you support keto. Is that the type of diet you're on? And if so, why do you feel that that's the right fit for you? Uh, for me, uh, like I, like you mentioned earlier about uh, the antibiotics mm -hmm. and stuff like that, really, really messed up my digestive system to the point where I can tolerate very little uh, plant-based food. Uh, I was vegan for a while, and it just made things a lot worse. Uh, I tried every part, every diet, because I don't think I don't think you can judge something until you try it out for yourself, right? Because it's going to be different for everyone, and and keto is not for everyone. But it really worked for me. It like fixed my gut issues. I haven't had um, an inflammatory bowel disease flare up in almost a year. It was like a once a month thing for me. Um, so it just really worked for me. And I kind of feel like I regained my health because of it. And what, can you describe what a keto diet is? Because I, I feel like it's kind of the buzzword currently. And I know some right. people on it. And I understand yeah. a little bit. But can you explain more what it is? Yeah, so most people will assume that they're on a ketogenic diet and not really be on one because uh, unless you're measuring ketones, you, you don't really know. And like the threshold for being in ketosis is going to be different for everyone. So it's basically a, a very high fat diet. Uh, it's moderate protein and very low carb. So you get between 70 and 80% of your calories from fat. Uh, 15 to 20 from protein and 5 to 10 from carbohydrates. And so when you say fat, what like avocado and butter, is that your primary source of fat? I, I can't really tolerate butter, uh, but I use ghee. Um, I, use, um, I use some animal products, uh, but again, most of my calories comes from uh, avocados, come from olive oil, coconut oil, uh, nuts seeds um so yeah that's pretty much it and, so and a lot of green green leafy vegetables right and you said that the vegan stuff didn't work mm. i mean it sounds very similar to vegan except for potentially the butter like what what makes it different and why did you feel keto worked better for you than the vegan diet did so the vegan main protein source is like legumes mm. uh, beans and stuff like that and grains I use a lot of grains. I can't tolerate grains. I can't tolerate uh, legumes. So that's like out of uh, out of the question. And uh, like a vegan vegan diet is, is a high carb diet diet. And most vegans I know they're terrified of of fat. So that's that's like the main difference. Hmm. Now, when you're again, because when you look at your photos, you're obviously clearly in very good shape. Would like when people come to you, and especially I would say men. 
are they trying to follow like the exact plan? And is that what you give them? You're like, this is what I do. You should do this. Or, you know, what's kind of your discussion with them to find what they need to obtain similar results that you have? Right. So I'm not, I'm not preaching anything. Like, like I said, keto is not for everyone. Uh, I'm very clear about trying to find the solutions that work for them. And that's not going to be something that happens uh, overnight, right? So I, like most of my clients, I work with them from three to six months. Um, so it's like a process of finding out what works for them. It's not like a one size fits all. Every, every person is going to be different in some way, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, the other part of it too, like we talked about earlier is the mindset component. Mm. I mean, how do you work with clients again uh, that are like, okay, I've hired a coach. You know, a lot of times people have worked with multiple trainers and coaches and diets and they've done everything, but it never seems to stick. And so they kind of always get into that same rut. Um, You know, how do you coach mindset for clients like that? Yeah. I can tell a story about how I got into it first because, um, I came from a background as a dietitian, right? And when I finished uh, finished university and started working as a dietitian, I got pretty frustrated because as a dietitian, your, work, your job is pretty much telling people what to do. And we don't really respond well to people telling us what to do. Um, I know I've been given plenty of good advice in the past, but because of the format it was given to me and I didn't, really follow it but in hindsight it's good advice right um so i i saw a lot of patients who got referred to me from doctors who have who were diabetic had heart disease uh and i knew that if they didn't change their diet and lifestyle they would probably be dead within 10 years right and still that wasn't enough motivation uh, for them to make a change and me telling them what to do didn't make a change. So that got really frustrating to me over time. And, uh, which is why I quit doing that for a while. And, um, I decided to do a couple of other things. I started to read a lot about human behavior, psychology, uh, habits, uh, stuff like that. And then I got into coaching, uh, which is pretty much, the opposite, right? You're getting the client to come up with a solution for themselves. Um, you get really good at noticing and, and seeing behavioral triggers that are common uh, with a specific personality type. And you, you hit on those uh, behavioral triggers. So that's, pre- that's pretty much the, the difference. So again, like what I do with one client is going to be completely different from another client. And, and sometimes you have to use, sometimes you have to push a lot and you have, you have to be aggressive, but other times you have to uh, teach them how to be self-compassionate as well. So it's going to be different, but the mindset is different, definitely like the main component here. So, yeah, because I think that's the hardest thing. You know, they always say, you know, you can't change anybody. They have to want to change for themselves. Right. But a lot of people, again, hire a coach or a trainer or whatever thinking, oh, well, this person's going to do it for me. Are mm. those people that you're like, you know what, we're not a good fit and, yeah. you know, you're not a client anymore? Or, again, how do you kind of deal with that? Yeah. So uh, I screen very hard for this. Uh, that's why I give out, like, my first session is free. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I don't want a person to sign up for something that is not a good fit for both of us, right? Like, so, uh, so I screen really hard for that in the first session. And uh, if I feel that the person is there for the wrong reasons or, or just like you said, it's not a good fit or like the personality types doesn't fit or they're not ready for what it really takes. I, I not taking them on basically. And I think as a fellow uh, business owner as well, um, I'm, I'm the same way. And I, I, I think it's hard for a lot of people starting out in the coaching mm-hmm. realm because they want to grow their business. Right. But saying mm-hmm. no is equally as important. So that's its own mindset. Don't you agree? Absolutely. But, but it can be a good learning experience also to like in the beginning, just to take on a couple of hard clients, just to see, just to get like that proof and not promises that it just doesn't work over time. Yeah, it's definitely true. Now, what is kind of your uh, goal or vision kind of for your future as you're kind of getting more into helping people become healthier as a whole? Like, what do you envision for the future for yourself and for your potential company? I'm just really happy at the place I'm at right now um, because like my main main two values is are uh, having the freedom to be wherever I want in the world. And also being able to uh, help people. And I'm able to do both right now and, and still have a balanced life where I can, I can do the things I love and, and focus on other aspects of my life. I don't believe, I don't really value um, money that much that I want to sacrifice these other aspects of my life. So I'm at, at the, right now at least, I'm not saying it's not going to change in the future, but right now I'm pretty happy where, And that's good to hear. I think, um, you know, a lot of people always want more and more and more. And I don't know if that's a U.S. thing, you know, now that you live here. Um, Mm. But I think you're right. It is important to be able to be content and be happy in the moment and be like, okay, I'm doing what I want and what I'm supposed to and Mm. letting it organically grow. Yeah. So another question I have for you, again, you grew up in Norway and you decided to move to the U.S. And uh, I just had um, a girl on fairly recently on the podcast from Denmark who moved from the U.S. And I always am fascinated by people that leave their home country to completely just kind of uproot and change their life. What was your reason for wanting to come to the U.S.? And what was kind of your thought of it beforehand? And what is your thought of it now? All right. So... um... I, I love Norway. Like we, like the education system, the healthcare system, uh, it really works. There's a lot of great things about Norway. But my issue with Norway has always been the social culture. It's a very um, introverted culture. Um, it's very hard to get to know people, new people. Um, a good example, like you don't sit next to someone on the bus. You try to not make eye contact with people. You don't, you don't say hi to people you don't know. And when you're at the gym, you just look down to the floor and you do, do your thing and you get out. And for me and my personality, that doesn't really, it's really destructive to me because I become like that myself. And my first experience with the U.S. was about four years ago now, I think. And it just shocked me because people were just like approaching us. And my friend bought like a suit uh, at the store and the guy at the cashier invited us for beers later. And it's just like, at the beginning, we were both like, what's the agenda here? Like we thought there was like some, 
nefarious uh, <laughs> uh, things going on. But after a while, we realized that it's just like a complete different social culture and that it really resonated with who I am as a person. And uh, it really, it makes me grow being surrounded in an environment like that. So that's what made me come back here and made me come back here over and over again. Hmm. I've never heard that before. I've, I have heard people from other countries, uh, various countries, um, say that they think Americans can be rude <laughs> or we're very tough or, you know, they think of the U.S. as the Kardashians. And I was like, uh, we're a little bit more <laughs> than all of those things. And sure. so it's neat for you to say that, to say, you know, people are welcoming. And I mean, everywhere you go, there's going to be people that maybe are rude or unkind. But I think genuinely, like, generally, I find most people are, are wanting to connect um, mm. and are kind people. So that's nice to hear that you say that about the U.S. and it made you feel that you like it enough to live here. Absolutely. So, I think Las Vegas, yeah, I, especially uh, like the networking culture in Las Vegas, is just amazing, and it's no like it's no stigma around it. Like it's okay to do it. Like it's okay to network and make business relationships and stuff like that. And so, that's also something that is very different and looked almost down upon if you try to network in Norway. I feel. But but why people would rather just stay like with their own families? Like what? Why does that seem kind of like a negative in Norway? I don't really know, to be honest. Uh, I think it goes down to comes down to something called Janteloven. I know I'm not sure if you heard about that before. No. So it's basically like you're not supposed to feel that you're any different than anyone else. You're not supposed to really feel good about yourself or talk about your accomplishments or anything like that. So if you do that in Norway, it's it's frowned upon. So it's very much like. Um, you don't talk about the positive changes you're making into your life and stuff like that. And I think that um, it really affects how we are as people over there. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. I feel like the things that I've heard about Norway is the education system is good. And hmm. isn't it supposed to be one of like the happiest countries in the world? Sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people are like, if you if you're running into some crisis, people like the government will take care of you, you know, like right. there are basically no homeless people, um, not really people who are poor. Right. So it's a very great and safe place to live. But again, like if you, if you have that safety around you all the time, it also takes away the ambition to grow, I think. So. Hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, where can people learn more about you? What is your website or you want to talk about where they can find you on social media? So it's KJ Andreasen with two S's, uh, both on Instagram and that's also my webpage.com. And we'll link that up too. And that's pretty much uh, the social media platforms I'm using right now because uh, I'm also trying to limit that for my life. I feel like it's, uh, it's quite overwhelming at, at times, so... I feel like one social media platform is enough right now for me. Well, and it's the Instagram definitely seems to be working for you. So I, th I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And the last question I like to ask all my guests is what is one word or quote or mantra that you try to live by every single day? Uh, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Um, just being growth minded, I guess. Um, learning from my mistakes and, and, and uh, not trying to be a victim. I, I think it's so 
easy to fall into this victim mentality, but in reality, it's just the universe trying to teach you a lesson, right? So if you t- decide to take the lesson, you're going to learn from it and grow from it. So that's, that's my take on that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jorgen. I greatly appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing all the things that you do going forward. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a review over on iTunes. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, be sure to message me over on Instagram at Kerry, K-E-R-I dot N dot Roberts. Remember that each of us has something that makes us great. So go out there and show the world what makes you extraordinary.